When Jesus came to earth, he came to be God with us. He didn't come as a God above us, although he certainly is. And the Bible talks about how awesome God is and how incredible he is compared to how unincredible we are. He is a God above us. But although he's so much greater than us, he came as a God to be among us and to be with us. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is from Isaiah, where Matthew is quoting, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God right here on earth with lowly humanity. This is what Matthew Henry says about that verse and about Emmanuel. Emmanuel signifies God with us. A mysterious name, but very precious. God incarnate among us, and so God reconcilable to us. At peace with us, and taking us into covenant and communion with himself. Behold in this the deepest mystery and the richest mercy that ever was. By the light of nature, we see God as a God above us. This is still Matthew Henry's quote. It's a God above us. And this is what David did, said, when, he consider, when I consider the heavens, the works of your hands, what am I that you're mindful of me? So by the light of nature, we see God as a God above us. By the light of the law, we see God as a God against us. But by the light of the gospel, we see him as Emmanuel, God right with us. We're going to do a little walk through history this morning. Let me get this a little bit bigger size so I can see through the history of humanity on earth. In the beginning, it'll be a very long message when we start there, won't it? No, we'll keep it short. Just a walk through. In the beginning, God was with us. He walked with us in the garden, in the cool of the day. We spent precious time together with God, and he dwelt among us. The awesome presence of God right with us. And it was very good. The holy creator delighted in his good creation. The man and the woman called to bear his glorious image. But shortly after that in the Bible record, we find that they were seduced by the serpent's words. They ate the fruit. They brought on themselves not a better life like they thought, not wisdom as they assumed, but death, separation from God. The fullness of joy in the perfect presence of God was replaced with darkness and shame 
as the holy God sent them out of the garden and away from his presence. But before God sent them away, he made them a promise. This is Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, that God would send a redeemer who would one day crush the head of the serpent, of the great deceiver. And from the moment that the curse of sin infected the hearts of man, God has been working to restore the hearts of his people. He's been working to restore his people to himself. And even as humanity continued to turn away from him and to follow their own evil desires, as we read about throughout Genesis and throughout the rest of the Bible, God still had a plan of redemption and relationship for humanity. And the cry of every longing heart echoes with that desire to have God with us, like there once was in the garden, for that communion with God. God promised his presence to Abraham in the land of rest and in the land of abundance. God promised Jacob a couple generations later that he would bridge the gap between heaven and earth and give us access to the divine. This is seen in Jacob's ladder where Jacob had that dream. And then when the Israelites were suffering as slaves in Egypt, God did not stop pursuing them. In fact, God told Moses, I will be with you, with you. God's holy presence descended on judgment in, upon Egypt. And yet he made a way of escape for Israel so that they didn't experience his wrath, but they experienced his mercy by the blood of the Passover lamb. A mercy that Israel didn't deserve, and yet God showed it to them. God led his people out of slavery with a mighty hand, and God went with them through the wilderness. God was with them in the cloud and in the fire. When the Israelites lived in tents, God drew near and dwelt among them. In the biggest tent they had, we call it the tabernacle. That was God's tent to live with his people, to be with them. But even in the tabernacle, and we see this there, we see this in the later temples, access to God was very limited. It was designed or, or only a few could enter into that communion with God. The only hope that the people had for communion to be with God was for a, an intermediary, for a priest to go on their behalf. But the promise remained. And God again told Moses later in Exodus, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The promise of God with us, as we see throughout the scriptures. David longed to build God a house to live in, to be with them. And Solomon, his son, built that house, that temple, and the glory of God descended on it in an amazing way and filled the temple like a great cloud. But even there, the people couldn't fully draw near to be with God. The curse of sin was not eradicated. It infected all of creation. The promise of righteousness and peace and God with them seemed far off as Israel was exiled, removed from their land, and that very temple, the, the symbol of God with them, was destroyed. It didn't exist any long, longer. And I'm sure they wondered, what happened? Is this the end of God with us. The temple was rebuilt 
You can read this in the restoration books. And it gave them a glimmer of hope that they, they had a, now a temple for God to be with them again. But it paled in comparison to Solomon's temple. And that's the account where you find some people weeping and some people rejoicing at the building of that temple. But that temple was never meant to be the answer. It pointed to a better thing in the future where God would be with us forever. And then we have years and years of silence. The Bible records nothing during this time. The people, the Israelites, they waited and waited in silence and in darkness. They were waiting for a promise. They were waiting for God to come and be with them again. And then suddenly a child is born. His name is Jesus. And those, as it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, those who walked in great darkness saw a great light. They saw their Messiah. The word of God broke through the silence and became flesh. It tabernacled. He tabernacled among them. And his name is Emmanuel, God with us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God came and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. He's the image of the invisible God. When he was here walking on earth, he said in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was God right there with people. That's John 14, verse 9. When he died, the veil of the temple was torn. That veil that represented the separation of God from people was torn in two and no longer existed. And it gave us access to be with God as God is with us. Hebrews 10, 19 through 20 says, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. So we can enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus through his flesh. He is the savior who fulfilled the promise in Genesis 3.15, who crushed the head of the serpent to destroy the deceiver and to forgive our sins. He says in John 1.51 that he is the latter. He is the, the fulfillment of the dream that Jacob had of heaven coming to earth. Jesus as God came to earth to be God with us. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ is our Passover lamb. He is the one who bears the wrath of God so that we can live in his presence. All these things we see in the Old Testament as, as representations of God being with his people, Jesus fulfilled of God being with us. He is the deliverer who frees us from the slavery to sin and separation from God. He is the servant who humbles himself and pitches his tent right in our midst. He's God with us. He is the intermediary, the one whose blood gives us access to the throne of grace. He is the temple where the fullness of God dwells bodily. He is the promised king of David's line who rules in righteousness and peace. He is God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. In our union with Christ, 
God does not live within walls made by human hands. As much as we love our church buildings, the places we gather, the New Testament is very clear that God dwells in the temple of our heart. He is God not just with us, he is God in us, always with us. Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus told his disciples, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you, God with us. God with me, God with you. I want to read a quote. This is a rather lengthy one. I found a video with this quote, but it was a little bit uh, too much to play. So I'm just going to read it for this morning. This is a quote from Charles Spurgeon on his Christmas Eve message that he gave in London in 1854, many, many years ago. I thought it was excellent. He says this, Emmanuel, it is wisdom's mystery, God with us. Sages look at it and wonder. Angels desire to see it. The plumb line of reason cannot reach halfway into its depths. The eagle wings of science cannot fly so high, and the piercing eye of the vulture of research cannot see it. God with us. In other words, it doesn't make sense to us. It is hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. It's his legions fly apace. The black-winged dragon of the pit quails before it. Let Satan come to you suddenly and do you but whisper that word, God with us. Back he falls, confounded and confused. Satan trembles when he hears that name, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It is the laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knees in prayer? How could the missionary go to foreign lands? How could the martyr stand at the stake? How could the confessor acknowledge his master? How could men labor if that one word, Emmanuel, God with us, was taken away? God with us is the sufferer's comfort. It is the balm of his woe. It is the alleviation of his misery. It is the sleep which God gives to his beloved. Is there rest after exertion and toil? God with us. And he says, ah, to finish, God with us is eternity's sonnet, is heaven's hallelujah, is the shout of the glorified, is the song of the redeemed, is the chorus of angels, is the everlasting oratorio of the great orchestra of the sky. God with us. How awesome he is that he came to earth for our sins, yes, but to be God with us. And so that brings me to a question. And, and before that, actually, if you, did, you were trying to copy that down, just Google it. <laughs> You'll find that quote online. It's a lot of words there. Very good. But the question for you and for I, what does God with us mean for us? What does that mean for you and for me? Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us. But just because he came as that does not mean that all people are with him. 
That's a great difference. There are many people who on this Christmas morning are not with God. And yet God wants to be with them. And that thought of God being with us can give great comfort. It does, doesn't it? When we hear that God came to be God with us, it's very comforting. But that comfort can give a false sense of security and peace if we aren't truly walking with him. It just makes us feel good. And it should, but we want to walk with him too. God said he won't leave us or forsake us, but people can forsake him and walk away from him. And we saw that with Jesus on earth. We saw that in the, can see that in the New Testament. We can see that in our lives today. There are four, four men, four people in the Bible that Sarah and I were talking about, about this idea of, of God being with them. They're all characters from the Old Testament. And they all had different uh, relations with God, but God was with each of them. And I think they paint a picture of how we can treat God being with us. The first one was Balaam that we were talking about. And we heard this actually in a, in a Christmas Eve service where we were at last night. The pastor was talking about Balaam and the, the um, prophecy that he had about the Lord. But his, but his walk with the Lord didn't, didn't reflect the awesomeness that he saw in God. So he saw amazing things. He saw an angel. He had a donkey talk to him. How many of you have had a donkey talk? How many of you have had any animal talk to you in your language? <laughs> in your language. He had the word of the Lord. He had tremendous revelation. God spoke to him clearly, and he knew it was God. And he even gave a prophecy about Jesus. This is in Numbers 24 and talked about the star that would come in the future. But Balaam didn't care. He didn't. None of it changed him. All of this tremendous revelation and and even God speaking directly to him did not change him one bit. He cared about prosperity and he cared about glory. The Bible talks about how he got the the King Balak, Israel's enemy, to get Israel to fall. Went around, even though he knew that God wanted to bless Israel, he got Israel to fall by his counsel to the foreign king to send in the prostitutes and get the Israelite men to worship false gods and do evil things. And then the Bible recounts and specifically names how Balaam was among the people when, when, uh, where he was living was attacked and he was killed. And it specifically mentioned his name, gone. His tremendous revelation of the Lord and God being with him, literally talking to him, didn't change him one bit. Sad story. And then Sarah and I were talking about Samson. God was with Samson. Samson did tremendous things. The spirit of might was on him. He did things that no human should be able to do. And yet, he didn't live for the Lord truly. And when the Spirit of God left him, he didn't know it. It says he didn't realize that God left him. So God was with him, but it didn't change him. It didn't affect him. It didn't matter to him to the point that when God left him, he didn't even realize it. That's a sad story too. And then we've got a couple more positive ones. Moses. Moses was like, God, I don't want to go anywhere unless you are with me. I want to be with you, Lord. 
And Moses was an imperfect person and did things, you know, messed up here and there, got upset with the people. And I think he had a lot more patience than I would have had, but he did lose it at one point. But, but that's not the point. The point is, is that he wanted God to be with him. He didn't want to step outside of what God wanted him to do when he wanted to walk with the Lord. And David is the other positive example Sarah and I were talking about. He knew God was with him. In the famous Psalm, in Psalm 23 and verse 4, he said, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then later on, after David sinned and he messed up, and then he wrote Psalm 51, he said, cast me not away from your presence. He cared that God was with him. Even when he sinned and did wrong, he didn't want God to stop being with him. And he repented and got his heart right with the Lord so that he would continue to be with God as God was with him. So what does Emmanuel, God with us, mean to you and mean to me? He is with us. It is tremendous comfort that God came to earth as Emmanuel, as the baby, as the son of God to grow up and to serve and to give his life for you and for me as our savior, to pay for our sins. But does that knowledge change us? Do I want to be with him as he is with me? God is with you. Are you with him? Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you came to be God right with us. God in the midst of our humanity, of our need, of our difficulty, of our, of our everything, even when things are going well, you came to be God with us. And as we see right back in the garden, Lord, you walked with, with man on earth in, in close fellowship. And you desire that with us too. And so, Lord, I pray that you, as you are with us, that our heart would be toward you. That we would want to be with you, Lord. That we would want to live for you, Lord. And that if we do wrong, Lord, or, or we mess up, or we sin, or say something we shouldn't have said, whatever it may be, Lord, that we would be willing to repent, that we would be willing to confess it and give it to you and say, Lord, I'm sorry about that. And please don't take your presence from me, Lord. I want to walk with you. And I, Lord, I pray that we would do that the rest of our lives, that Emmanuel, God with us, would not just be a nice, comfortable thought, a comforting thought that, yes, God is with me, but that it would change me it would change the way I walk. It would change my attitudes. It would change my behavior. It would even change my, my reverence and my awe that you, as David said, why do you even care about me? After all that you've done, after all you've made, after all that you can do, after you made the entire universe and earth is a little speck and I am a tiny dot on that planet. Why do you care about me, Lord? But the fact that you do amazes me. And Lord, would I be and would we be in awe of you every day of our lives? How awesome you are, God with us. We're so grateful, Lord, in your name. Amen.
Would you stand? Jesse's going to come. Sing a closing Christmas carol. God bless each one of you. Have a merry rest of your Christmas. And remember what it's all about. It's about Jesus.